Hey, hey, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? It is Saturday. It is nice outside. Great day to mow the lawn, which I did yesterday, so no need to ask for people to show up today. It's good. Ah, uh, hope you guys are ready for this one. We're going to have a really good study today. Uh, digging in pretty darn deep onto this one. So tighten up your bootstraps because this is a, this is a week. I'll tell you what, we got quite a bit going here, so we're not going to spend much time here. We're, we're just going to dig right into it. So let's get, let's get going. So children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I wrote to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will be able to excuse me, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. All right. Hey, guys. Good morning. Seeing people hop on here. Wow. This is quite the section. And to think that this is, what? what is that, 10 verses? We're, we're doing 10 verses, and uh, there's a ton in here. So like I said, get ready for digging because we're doing a lot of digging this week. There's a lot here. And this breaks down into two, two main sections. First, there's a warning about Antichrist. And secondly, right at the very end of it, there's a section about how the truth abides in you. Okay, so let's do this here. We're going to spend a little bit of time here just in verse 18. So verse 18, children, it is the last hour. Okay, remember, I know it's been a week since we've gone over some of this, but uh, John's writing, he's essentially mid-80s, the last of the apostles still around, writing uh, to these younger generations around in Ephesus and the Ephesus region, and he's writing them, and and so children and little children, whenever he does this, it's basically a reference to believers, the, the people that he's writing to, period. Uh, and we can just translate that as all believers, all readers today, okay, so believers, and we see that in references listed there. Um last hour. It is the last hour. He's not the only one to say something like that. In fact, we saw this in 1 Peter when we read through 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. 
Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Remember, when uh, the end times, the, the last hour, the finishing time frame started, started when Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit was given. Okay, that's that's when that end section happened. That's from then on, it is considered the last hour, the ending of times. Okay, we're we're waiting for either Jesus to return or the uh for the uh rapture to happen, right? That's that's it. We're we're in the last section. So um now, Antichrist. This is actually pretty interesting. Okay, this Antichrist and Antichrist. You have heard that Antichrist. Now, some translations say the Antichrist for clarification, because uh, there's the singular, the almost like a title or a name, the Antichrist. Uh, this the ESV just says that Antichrist. Um, but there's Antichrist and Antichrists. Now, these are both the same word in Greek. So this is written in Greek, right? In Greek, this is a combination of two separate words, and it is the combination of anti, which is instead of or against, just like we would use it today, and it is also the word Christo. Now, Christo means anointed one, and the anointed one would be Jesus. It would be Christ, the Messiah, right? Christ means anointed one, the the chosen one of God. He is the Messiah, Messiah being the Hebrew word, Christ being the Greek word, okay? So the Antichrist or the Antichristo is someone who is against or instead of the, tr- the chosen one or the anointed one or Christ, okay? But John is the only author in the entire Bible to use this term Antichrist or Antichristo. Makes sense that you wouldn't see it in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Bible, because it's Greek, so you wouldn't you wouldn't see Christ, you would see something saying Messiah, something for that. But out of the New Testament, it's the only time, the only time you're going to see Antichristos or Antichrist is in John's writings. And in fact, it's only in the Bible five times. It's only in the Bible once referring to plural, which we see here in, in verse 18. Okay, so John writes it. Four times, meaning the Antichrist, and one time is plural. We see two of these here in uh, verse 18. We'll see another one here in verse 22. Then in chapter 4, we're going to see it one more time. And then in 2 John verse 7 is the final time that we see the actual reference of Antichrist and the term Antichrist derived from Antichristo. Now, there are many other references throughout Scripture involving the Antichrist, uh, we see the man of lawlessness in Second Thessalonians. Uh, Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. We see references to the evil one and so on. Jesus warned about false Christs in Matthew 24, 24. We see this. He says, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. We see uh, references to the future Antichrist, like the end times Antichrist. We think of the beast, 
We see things in Revelation chapter 13. Then I saw another beast, referring to the second beast, uh, rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, wow, whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs and even makes fire come down from heaven and to earth in front of people and by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast. It deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived, uh, mocking the father-son relationship. Okay, the enemy likes to do that. They mock the relationship of uh, the Father, Son, and even the Holy Spirit. Okay, so they mock these things. We see that there. We also see in Daniel, Daniel 9, and he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. Um, and then we'll fast forward a little bit. And on the wing of abomination shall come one who makes desolate until the decree end is poured out on the desolator. Okay, we see in Matthew 24, Jesus speaking again. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, which we just looked at, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. So there are lots of references about the Antichrist, but John is the only one who writes the term Antichrist, which does make sense. Again, remember the history of this. This is coming out towards the end of the century. He's the last apostle remaining. And look at how he wrote this. If you read verse 18, children, it is the last hour. As you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. And so now many, many Antichrists have come. It just flows off the tongue. Like this is not something new to him. He's not defining something new. This is something they have been discussing. This is a term that most likely had developed over time. But this is the first time we're really seeing it in scripture, and it comes in very late into play in, in the writings of this. Okay? But that's what we're talking about. And it's, it is interesting that this is the only place that you find it, though. But we're moving on. Verse 19. They went out from us, okay, saying that they left the faith. They were part of the body. They were part of the, the church, capital C, like the overarching church, right? They were part of the church, but they left. And why did they leave? They either left to begin their own faith or they just left the faith altogether. Okay. And we're trying to proclaim something other than, than Christianity, other than Christ. Okay. Now they were not of us for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Okay. Not of us. So let's look back here. At the beginning of uh, the book, uh, the beginning of First John, okay, chapter one, verses one and verses three, uh, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and which we have touched with our hands, verse three, that which we have seen and heard, we can we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. Okay, so we're seeing this distinction. John distincts from the apostles to the believers, to the readers of this. Okay. He's making a distinction line here. Now he's making a distinction line saying there is this us. We are defining 
us as the body of Christ, and they have left from us, making a new distinction. Um, some people say, and, and some commentaries say that this could be um, more saying that he, they they left from the teachings of the apostles, which I think is interesting. But when I'm reading this, it it, it seems more plain and more uh, apparent to me, and, and I'm seeing it in other commentaries as well, that he's just making a distinction they left from the church. Okay. They, they left from the church, but it does indicate that they were changing their doctrinal stance. If they were staying as quote Christians and trying to proclaim a Christian belief system, that they were changing this doctrinal stance and leaving from the traditional gospel message, that base gospel message. They changed things enough to where the core of the belief of Christianity was no longer there. Okay. Swayed from Christianity. And remember, He's, there's this massive movement going on right now of Gnostics in this time frame, okay? That Gnostics. And so he's saying, whoa, they're, they're leaving from here and going out and they're changing their doctrine into this different belief system that has nothing to do with Christianity. But then he wraps that section up with that it might become plain, okay? But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Now, this shows that there's some kind of a divine plan, that this is kind of like a, a God moment where God is pulling a holy subtraction. Instead of having a cancer swell up inside of the body and rot away the body and cause issues inside, it's better for them to pull away and segregate and have some false teaching sect over here than to cause issues inside of the whole. And so it shows a plan from God pulling that away to protect the body, okay? Saying that this is, is plain that they are not from us and that God did this so that it would become plain, okay? Now, anointed. You, you have been anointed by the Holy One. The Holy One is Jesus, okay? This, this is a reference to Jesus, and you have been anointed. Now, the Greek here for anointed is actually an anointing. And the Greek word is charisma. And this is to contrast with the Greek antichristos. Okay? He's contrasting an anointing with the against anointed one, which makes sense. You have been anointed with the holy one, right? With the anointed one or by the anointed one. And you are now against, there's this group who is against the anointed one. Okay, this is a contrast saying that you are now anointed by the true Christ, unlike the deceivers who follow the anti-Christ, okay, against the anointed one, okay? And you all have knowledge. Now, you all have knowledge as a reference here. It means you being in Christ, again, remembering that this is against Gnostics, people who believe there's hidden information and hidden knowledge that you have to know. Okay, you have to find this hidden thing. It's like a puzzle. You got to find this weird, weird little piece and saying, no, 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 you, you have this. You have this. There isn't this hidden knowledge or aren't, isn't this hidden truth. Being in Christ, having that Holy Spirit, you have the knowledge and you have the information at hand. It's been, been plain and you know what's going on. 
We see in John 16, 13 to 15, yes, I touched my tongue, but I have been inside, haven't left, and I washed my hands right before this, so it's all right. <laughs> anyway, John 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Okay, so the Holy Spirit declares and gives from the Father. What the Father and what the Son, what Jesus has, he gives out. Okay, he's not giving random things. He's only declaring and following the authority of the Father and of Christ. Okay, so having that Holy Spirit, you are given that information. And you know. We see in 21, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. Okay, saying this is a written reminder. I'm writing you as a reminder and to encourage you not to fall for these lies. Basically saying you know better than this. You know this stuff. Come on, keep it together. It's okay. Don't fall for these. We see in Acts 20, Acts chapter 20 here, we see, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. This is written to pastors, okay? In which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Okay, this again was another warning. This is a warning saying, you know, so don't follow the lies. Keep in touch with the truth, the core of the gospel. Stay there. Okay, Second Timothy for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears that they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Okay. This sounds very familiar. There's a lot of this stuff going on. So he's saying, pay attention, you know, and you having the Holy Spirit, you know this. So stay with it. I'm here encouraging you to stick it out. Stay the course. Okay, and we see 22. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Okay, so he just defines it. The Antichrist, Antichrist is someone that denies that Jesus is the Messiah or the Christ. Okay, interchangeable words, Greek to Hebrew, right? John persists. He continually points out and states that to accept Jesus as the Christ is to acknowledge that Jesus was God in the flesh, that he was physically there. Now, this is something that's important to point out with the Gnostic beliefs, okay? Gnostics believed that when the Spirit came on Jesus' baptism, and you had the, the Spirit like a dove float down, and you heard the voice say, this is my son who I'm well pleased, right? That that was actually Jesus, or the, the Spirit, then floating down, and that's when Jesus became God. And then he went through, and then prior to his 
uh, crucifixion, he ascended, like he escaped the mortal body so that the God portion wouldn't have to suffer. Okay. And John continually points out, this is not true. This is not true. Jesus was flesh from the very beginning all the way to the very end when he died, but then was resurrected, right? Okay. All of the way, Jesus was God from very, very beginning all the way through and is still God today. And that is what he keeps pointing out. And he's saying this over and over and over again. We see in, again, chapter one, verses one and two, that was from the beginning, which we have heard. Okay. Fast forward a little bit. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us, was with the father, but made manifest to us. Manifest is made. He was made to us. Okay. And we see in chapters, uh, chapter four, verse three, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. Okay. We see in second John verse seven, for many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Okay, so we're seeing this continual push that we need to accept and understand that Jesus was physically here. He was physically real and he was God from the very beginning all the way through. Okay, he keeps pointing this out. Okay, we see in verse 23, no one who denies the son has the father. Whoever confesses the son has the father also. He's just making a very plain point here. To have the father, if you want God, you have to have the son. Period. Plain and simple. End of story. That's what he's saying. Just get to the root of it. You have to have the son to have the father. Okay, we see John 14. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. We also see in Acts, because that one's a little overdone. We hear that one a lot, right? I don't know about overdone. Can you really overdo scripture? I don't think so. But uh, let's look in Acts for another reference there. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Okay, so he's just making that point and driving that point home. And then he transitions this into the separate section, that the truth abides in you. Okay, so he's been warning about this Antichrist and about multiple Antichrists, those denying the deity of Jesus, okay, and that have left the church to go and teach something completely different, something off, something that's not following the actual gospel, saying, don't pay attention to that. You have the information. And he says, this abides in you. And now he's going to really define this. What does he mean by this abides in you? Not what you heard from the beginning abide in you. Okay. What did we hear from the beginning? Well, let's go to John's own reference in his version of the gospel. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. 
The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. We'll look at verse 14 there. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Okay. What have we heard from the beginning? What, what, what is the first thing a believer really finds and hears the gospel? You don't come to Christ just hearing, all right, well, there's coming an antichrist and, and you don't want to go to hell. Oh, I'm Christian now. Well, what's a Christian? I don't know. I just don't want to go to hell. Okay. Well, are you really Christian? What's the first thing you hear from the beginning? It's the gospel. There's this guy, Jesus, but he wasn't just a guy. He's God. And God loved so much that he came here to earth in the form of a baby from a virgin. Crazy stuff happened. You know, you hear the gospel message. So let what you hear from the beginning, the gospel, let that abide in you. And if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the son and in the father. Again, we're going to look at John. Uh, Gospel according to John, chapter 14. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we, we, plural, we will come to him and make our home with him. Okay, so if you remain and abide in the word and what you hear from the beginning, and if you abide in Christ, God continues and abides in you, right? And that's what he's saying. Keep to the basics. If it contradicts the basics, and they're the basics for a reason, they're the fundamentals, okay? You want to get better at something? You work on your fundamentals. The fundamentals are what makes it work. The fundamentals of faith and the fundamentals of Christianity is the gospel message, you want to get deeper into this and understand it better and have a better relationship, dig in the gospel. That's where it happens. Okay. Verse 25. And this is the promise that he has made to us, eternal life. Let's look at John chapter 17. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him, and this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Okay, God promises forever. And remember, keep this in the context of uh, us te- te- uh, talking to them and teaching them, saying, whoa, watch out for these people who are teaching false things. Okay, this hidden knowledge. Do you have to find this hidden knowledge? Watch out for these people. Okay, keep in that context. He's saying God promises forever. And that's a really long time. Are you really willing to risk eternity on a hunch of hidden knowledge from people who speak and teach things that go completely against everything that you learned from the very beginning? Is it worth the hunch? Okay, he offers eternal life. And and I want to point out here, eternity has already begun. Once you accept Christ, you are in the kingdom you're in the kingdom, you're in the family, you're sealed, meaning you've been giving proof, you've been giving the Holy Spirit, right? You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's proof that's your down payment 
for eternity. Your eternity starts right there. You get your down payment, your proof by the Holy Spirit. God empowers you at that point. God empowers you to not only change your life, but to change the life of those around you. Okay? Your eternity starts at that point because you're in. So live like it. See in Ephesians 1. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit as your down payment. Okay. 26 and 27 kind of link together. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, the Gnostics. Uh, but there's a huge list, but that was the biggest one at, the, at that time. But the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you, which is funny because he's teaching them, but as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as it is, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Okay, he's pointing out anointing again is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The anointing that you receive from him abides in you. That anointing is the Holy Spirit. It lives or abides inside of you. Let's take a look at Jeremiah 31. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Okay, it's in you. The answers are in you. Okay. No need that anyone should teach you. What he's really saying is there's no need for anyone to teach you contrary to your gospel, right? There's no need for that. God's made things abundantly clear. He said it and showed it in so many different ways. He's not hiding this. It's there. It's evident. And if someone's trying to teach you contrary to that, there's no need for it. Okay says there's no need for that, but it's John is teaching and he's saying that, but he, what he's teaching is listen to the Holy Spirit, listen to the Spirit, but this takes time and it takes work. It's like building a muscle, okay? You can't just go out, believe me, I've tried, you can't just send your kids out to mow the lawn with an old-fashioned push mower. Their muscles aren't there. They can't push the regular push mower. I've tried. Oh, have I tried. But... It takes time. They work it, they work it, and after a bit of time, they have the muscles and they can do it. And the endurance builds to where they can do the whole lawn and they get to work it and it becomes no big deal. Okay, I, I had an illness years and years ago, like uh, about 12 years ago. And we just still don't exactly know what it was, but we found out I had a massive vitamin D deficiency, which was at least part of it. Um, but I got incredibly weak and I couldn't even lift. Gabby was a baby and I couldn't even lift Gabby and my muscles atrophied horribly. And I had to rebuild my muscles and it hurt to do it, but I had to rebuild them after it was over. Okay. It takes time to build that muscle. You have to work it over and over and over again. Okay. We see in Hebrews talks about this exact thing in Hebrews. Okay says, about this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. People writing the Bible, getting frustrated. Love it. All right. It's real. For they thought by this time you ought to be teachers. Excuse me. By 
for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. You have to practice this. You have to practice listening to the Holy Spirit and discerning things from the Spirit of God and other spirits, false teachings, false teachers, okay? This is no lie, okay? It is true and is no lie. You need to discern from hearing the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not lie to you. Discern from that, hearing that versus the false teachings, okay? Just as it has taught you, abide in him. Listen to God, keep to the gospel message, and continue fellowship with the Father and the Son, but he had pointed out earlier saying, and with others. So don't forget that you still need to fellowship with the body as well. Okay, we need each other. Now, what can we take from this? It's been a lot. There's a lot going on here. So what can we take away? First two things we can do, or first thing we can do is watch out for wolves in sheep's clothing. Makes sense. Watch out for teachers who look Christian, look like they're teaching the gospel, but they stray from that basic gospel message. We can disagree on some theology. We can disagree on some finer points. But we have to have what's known as closed-handed theology. We have to have some closed-handed principles that we hold on to. Okay, so watch out from people who stray from the actual gospel message. Okay, watch out for them. And that you have been anointed by Jesus with the Holy Spirit as both proof of salvation, as your down payment, right? Showing you evidence that you're there and as a guide. Okay, the Holy Spirit is your guide through this. He gets informations from the Father, and he guides you through life. Now, how do we discern? How do we discern what's coming from him versus what's coming from other spirits? Your Bible. Okay? That's what this is for. This is our reference. Okay? We have a reference guide. It's not just there to give us history and, and poetry and, and there for fancy fun writings and, and to, to learn to read on. No. It's there as a reference guide. If we're hearing from a spirit, from teachers, and it doesn't line up with the Bible, don't go that way. Okay? That's your reference. Okay? And the Holy Spirit will not take you astray from the Bible. I can tell you that. The Holy Spirit will not take you astray from that. Okay? And the truth isn't hidden. It was very, very plainly given. So plainly given, God himself came in the form of a man. Like, you don't get much more plainly given than that. Okay. Use your discernment. Use discernment to tell if the teaching is off. If someone's teaching something and it seems off, use your discernment to tell. And again, use your Bible as a reference. Sometimes we'll be like, hmm, that doesn't seem like what I want to hear. Well, the question is, is it what I want to hear or is the spirit telling you, whoa, this is something off? 
Maybe you're just being convicted. Double check in your Bible. Let's make sure. That's how we work this muscle, okay? It's how we work it. It's not really a muscle, but that's how we work it, and that's how we get fine-tuned, and that's how we learn to do this, okay? By practice. And lastly, we need to have the Father, and to have the Father, we have to have the Son, okay? We have to have Jesus, and we need to recognize that Jesus came fully as man, and fully as God, okay? That in the flesh, Jesus was God. Because if Jesus wasn't God in the flesh, was he really the Christ? Was he really the Messiah? It changes everything. It absolutely changes everything. So these are things we need to have. All right, let's pray. Oh, God, thank you for the day, for the sun shining, this is gorgeous weather. God, for the rain that's been clearing the air, watering the plants and taking care of things. God, thank you for each other. This has been such an awkward time. Things are starting to open up. God, but I just want to thank you for each other. The, giving us one another so that we can make it through this hard time. And I just ask that you continue to grow us all together, that you grow us in your word that we can move from milk into solid, that we can work that muscle of discernment and learn to listen to the Spirit better every day. God, I just ask that you continue to be with us and you help us grow. And show us what we need to do. If there's things that we need to do to, to accomplish people that we need to impact their lives, God, I just ask that you show us and you make that clear to us. Jesus name. Amen. All right. Well, Hey, thank you guys so much for joining in today. It's been another really good lesson. Uh, at least I think it was a good lesson. Lots of interesting stuff going on here in this. So we are looking forward to next Saturday. We're going to continue on into, uh, in the first John here. And we have, you know, I did, I did actually build this up. Let me, let me look here really fast. See if I can pull that up. I um, built up and finally worked through it and, and figured out how long this is going to go out. So I guess I should have had that ready. But so this was week four. Next week, we're going to go through uh, chapter 2, 28, verse 28 to chapter 3, verse 10. And this is going to go for a total of 10 weeks, which if I remember right, was uh, June 27th is when we're going to be, yeah, June 27th, I believe, is going to be our final time on First John. So we still got a little ways to go, but it's been, been good stuff. So thank you guys so much. Have a great Saturday and be blessed. <laughs>